podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, he's hit the post and he's gone in! And one shot treated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith, hello for Russia! That's going to be that! It's John Bond, it's Pearson, it is 1-0 to Derby County! Chris Collins, Melter! Hello everybody, it's happening again. Yes, welcome along to Steve Plumer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast. I'm Chris Parsons and I'm joined as usual by my fellow gluttons for punishment, Tom Martin. Hi there. And Richard Kutcher. Up the Rams. <laughs> Where do we start for episode 21? Uh, well, I had the misfortune to be in Burton for Derby's gutless, pathetic, embarrassing surrender to the worst team in the league. So we'll look back at what went wrong during Derby's worst away performance since, uh, well, the last one, I guess. <laughs> Are the playoffs still a realistic target? Derby may have fallen out of the top six for the first time since November, but they do still have a game in hand. We'll look at the remaining fixtures and read out your tweets about where we go from here. But... Speaking of long-finished contests crawling towards their inevitable conclusion, it's uh, who ran I number 15 for the season. Tom leads 9-5. Kutch, you basically need snookers now, don't you? Really? I, I need us to get in the playoffs to extend the number of episodes this season to, to pull it back, so yeah. I'm doubly vested in yeah. optimism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking to be professional and see this out with an inevitable crushing, I know, 12 or 13-5 victory. Just game, game management, yeah. do your jobs, yeah. be efficient. So, this is the game where Tom and Richard have to guess the identity of a Derby player from years gone by based on a series of clues. Uh, the first of which for this episode is the following. I played 140 times for Derby County. You're going to love this one. Between 1992 and 1995. <laughs> mm. 140 times. So, I've gone earlier than I usually do. I know I did yeah. say nothing pre-94, but... I think this is a pretty well-known Derby player from years gone by, so have a think about that one. In the meantime, Burton Albion away then, uh, where the Rams gifted the bottom-placed Brewers their first home win in six months, thanks to more catastrophically bad defending and lack of desire going down 3-1 at the Pirelli Stadium. Now, Coach, we've all witnessed some pretty shameful, humiliating displays from Derby over the years, haven't we? Where do you think this one ranks down there for the, uh, for the lowest ebb for us, our supporters? I think it ranks it definitely ranks down there I mean down there along with with Sunderland just a few weeks ago as well um, but for me if I look at my own uh, games that I've been to down the years in terms of embarrassment and kind of hostile uh, atmosphere in the away end I'd probably go Barnsley Barnsley away uh, August 2010 2010? 2008 2008 towards the end of Paul Jules reign so that was bad and that was like a hangover from the previous season yeah, yeah and I think that's what made it so bad for me was that we'd obviously been through that awful Premier League season but in general because it was so bad so quickly I think most of us took that season in Almost quite good humour. So that was um, that was one of our first away games in 0809. Right at the end of August, I think it was August thirtieth. Back holiday weekend, and we lost two nil. And we lost two nil. And so it wasn't a it wasn't a a thrashing, uh, but it was a really abject performance. It was just the same old from from a year of pain. And I've never seen. It's one of the most hateful away ends I've been in in terms of the the um, criticism towards the players and to Paul Jewell and there's a, a fight in the away end wasn't it I think there was yeah, a fight in the yeah, away at least end. one yeah. 
and uh, I just went away from that game just being so depressed and demoralised and that, that's the one that sticks out for me there's probably been worse one-off results but for me that was a culmination of, of kind of 12-14 uh, months of pure pain what, um, can, what can you raise Richard on uh, uh, Barnsley 2008 so actually it's probably the beginning of that period and the, the, the time I realised that Derby were desperately doomed in the 2007-8 season was the Reading away performance when we were on Sky it was a Sunday um, and we lost 2-0 and I think we had one shot in the entire game and up until that point we sort of competed a little bit got beaten by Liverpool and Arsenal quite heavily um, but that was the moment when you thought Reading aren't very good we must be awful and that was the beginning point and that was that what, was you, what you think that was worse than when we lost 4-0 to Reading on the last day of that season yeah well, I mean that was the starting point for it I wasn't at the 4-0 home games so I was going on games that I went to and I think that was that was one of them that I thought this is this is going to be desperate times it's all about context isn't it and Chris yeah. what, would, what would you pick out well, I mean, the thing is about that season is that you can pick out about 25 games that were utterly embarrassing in, yeah. that, in that year, can't you? But that wasn't really... That was just because we were never good enough in the first place, mm. uh, which wasn't necessarily the players' fault. I think the players put in a lot of effort in that season, but you're right, you can't ignore it. And I think the one I went to where we got spanks 5-0 by West Ham second second string yeah. in like, November or something, when you knew we were in deep trouble, that was bad. I think yeah. I was Spectre scored that game. Yeah. <laughs> And um, going back even further, because uh, it's funny, I was at the Burton game yesterday. I was, there were a fair few shouts of "You're not fit to wear the shirt," which I hadn't heard personally. I'm sure it's happened, but I hadn't heard personally since uh, Grimsby at home. Don't you yeah. remember that game in 2000 and, uh, John 2002? Off, John Oster brace. When a young, I think a young Lee Holmes scored in that game, or maybe played in that game, or maybe Lee think, Morris scored in that game. I think but, Lee Holmes scored his first ever derby goal in that game. Yeah, I think and, too early. Um, yeah, that was a season after we went down and we got turned over three one at home by Grimsby. I think so. That was bad. You were you tweeted this when I was uh, yeah, when I was away, didn't you? And yeah. you got a few comedy responses during the Sunderland game. Uh, I, I tweeted saying, you know, to make us feel, ourselves feel better, what's let's talk about some worse games than this. And we I tried to get people to focus on the home games, but the Grimsby one came up. That three one lost yeah. to Grimsby uh, came up, uh, and there was a few other um, uh, the, the game we, when we lost to Forest. And who was who was put on at central midfield? Uh, old chap, bald guy. Bob Malcolm, no, no, Tom, no, was it Tommy Miller or something? Tommy, in Mooney, Tommy, yeah, Tommy Mooney was sent midfield. Yeah, yeah, and the, the Dean Holdsworth and Kevin Paul days as well, yeah. of course, uh, came up. So we've got we've the, got plenty to choose from. Just as a general period. The, the, yeah. the home game I recall being the worst one. Um, I remember playing football um, and it being half time and coming off, and I was like, "Oh, Dad, has Derby kicked off?" He's like, "Yeah, it's four nil already, and it's like losing four nil at home to Leicester." Um, Oh, yeah, I was in the that. Premier League. That was four nil. That was four goals in the first fifteen minutes, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And I think the important thing to take away from this conversation is that yesterday or Saturday was bad. Uh, but let's put it this way, and I'm not making excuses for anyone at the club. But at least we're challenging. Yeah, you know, we're not in a we're not in a period where we're battling to stay in the Championship or, you know, we've we've had some much worse times than this. This is a horrendous run of two months, and we'll come on to that in more detail in a second. And yesterday, I can imagine. There would everyone would be very upset from that performance on the back of those last two months at, at the Pirelli. But I don't know. I don't want to get too carried away. I think some of those performances we've talked about have come in much worse, broader spells than what this is right now. You're, you're right. You've you got to look at the wider picture, and I think we're going to try and save you know Derby's long-term prospects for like an end of a season podcast, aren't we? Try, we're going to try not to get too carried away. Try and remain balanced and level-headed. Having said that, Derby did lose to the worst team in the league and gave them their first. Winning first home win in six months. Some numbers for you. Burton had only scored three goals in their last nine home games. Two home wins all season, I think. Uh, but yeah, they lost three one at the Pirelli this weekend. Uh, Liam Boyce 
opening scoring, then uh, David Nugent equalising with a header from a Tom Lawrence cross. Then uh, Luke Murphy restoring the Brewers' lead, his first goal of the season, 38 <laughs> games. <laughs> then uh, Lucas Aikens making it 3-1 before Nugent missed a, uh, missed a sitter and uh, even Vidra missed a late penalty to compound Derby's misery. Uh, so Pretty much a toxic atmosphere in the away end towards the end, really. There's lots of shouts of, this is embarrassing, you're not fit to wear the shirts, that sort of thing. And if you look back at the defending, it's not really hard to see why. Um, I mean, you've both seen the goals now. Yeah. The first goal that Derby conceded um, from um, Luke Murphy, who turned it across the area for Liam Boyce to tap in in the first 20 minutes. I mean, it's just a... You know, just a catalogue of, of terrible mistakes and lazy, half assed defending, isn't it? You look back yeah. at that goal, Pierce gets pulled out of position and doesn't really do anything to cut out the cross, just gives a, a vague lunge towards the ball. And Davis and Baird seem to get caught underneath that yeah. cross. Um, and then Baird gets, by the time the ball falls to Murphy, the ball's miles away from uh, from Chris Baird. He's just so badly out of position. Then the thing that's even, he compounds that even worse by getting caught out of position instead of tracking back instantly and just trying to stop cut out the the ball across the box he stops and looks back for some reason Chris Baird does as if he's waiting for a foul or something just plays it a fucking whistle for fuck's sake you know like it's not that difficult yeah I mean what was was really um, worrying about that whole passage of play obviously Wisdom gave it away first in a super super place and that that, you know that's not acceptable but it happens it's what you then it's then how you react to that as you said they didn't get organised and that's what really worried me was you know that's where you expect Curtis Davis to be organising everyone and shouting at people and getting them getting them uh, into the right position. And Baird, you know, gets sucked right in. And he's got no reason to come in because Derby had enough defenders in the box. Baird just decided to come and stand next to Curtis Davis and then complained when uh, there's a player at the back post um, to, to put the ball back across. So you I just mean, wonder, Tom, don't you? Where you know we 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 big Derby up obviously before Christmas when we were second and we went on that great run of wins and clean sheets when. We talked about the back four being so compact and defending crosses so well. Where's that gone? What's happened to it? Rich just made an interesting point about the fact that this is where I'd expect Curtis Davis to, to organise things. And I think he is. When you look at the, the highlights and you, you see him in the games, you, you see that he's shouting and, and trying to pull players into position. I don't think people listen. I don't think mm. I don't understand what Baird was doing in terms of coming into because uh, Davis himself was marking the guy through the middle. I don't understand like what Wisdom's trying to do with like trying to play the ball back across the uh, across the goal uh, when we give it away. Like people are making some really basic, simple errors. It's not about organisation. It's about cutting out the errors and concentrating. And for me, it's very much like oh, well, we we've got this. It's fine. We're with Derby County there was definitely some team. complacency there yeah, that was part of the massively. problem against Burton and just also, thought they could turn up against a team with a terrible record this season yeah. and roll them over the second goal for me sums that up because we give the ball away and then Luke Murphy travels about 15 yards yeah. with the ball before Baird then decides not to close him down and runs away from it and Ledley's like why don't we close him down tries to close him down and he beats Ledley easily and curls him in the top corner the, the thing is about that second Four. goal is that he, well you've touched on it there that, he, that Luke Murphy was allowed to travel so far before he scored his first he, goal all season in 38 games and when he celebrated he, he looked embarrassed I mean, Burton, he, Burton Albion looked embarrassed at scoring against us he just wheeled away and he was like bloody hell they gave him that much space yeah. he picked, unbelievable he picked the ball up 12 yards outside the penalty box ran into the penalty box with the ball completely unchallenged then had the time to cut in onto his left foot again completely unchallenged and then just pass it into the bottom corner and of course he's going to look embarrassed I mean how the hell in championship football a team that is challenging for playoffs two months ago was challenging for the top two 
is a player allowed to travel 12 yards into the box. It's not a counter-attack. This wasn't a counter-attack opportunity. It wasn't like we were short on players at the back. No one. No, took we, we had bodies behind the no ball. No one we? took responsibility to close them down. That is dreadful. I mean, that tells you everything about that performance just from watching that one goal. It's and you, you get you get a certain amount from experience, don't you? Well, apparently, apparently not. In, well, Davis in, in, in experience, Baird experience, Ledley experience, Hudson yeah, experience. There's but plenty what, of experience in that team. What I was going to say is that you you get that experience, but what you don't always get with that experience is people willing to step up. You know, show show heart, show desire, mm. take responsibility. You know, you don't want a single players out, but Chris Baird had one of his worst ever performances for Derby against Burton. Absolutely atrocious. Very culpable for at least two goals. The second one, as you said there, Tommy, just sort of... Well, I think him and Ledley got caught in two minds, really, as to whether to try and track the runner on the outside. Yeah. But no, you know, no tracking back, no closing down, far too slow and passive, just letting them come at them. And he just, you know, had all the time in the world to just cut in pick a spot past Carson though it was a decent finish to be fair but I think most of us would have a decent finish if you're given that much time and space I don't know, I've seen your I've seen your left foot well I've got, <laughs> I've got a great left foot I'm a goalkeeper but I'd still I'd have, I'd have backed myself there to beat Joe Deadly cut inside that's the point you know, that, of course it doesn't matter if you're playing the bottom team in the league if that's how you defend you're going to concede goals mm. yeah so the before that uh, David Nugent had pulled one back with his first goal this year which can, is depressing enough can we um, maybe say something positive here um Tom Lawrence in the last three or four games. <laughs> Another good assist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, a decent cross. I mean, he was given plenty of space to get the ball at his feet. Find, uh, but he did. Yeah, he did well to find Nugent with a decent cross. Uh, we can come on to the the last few games in, in the second part. But I think you're right. We, we, we can touch on that that he has shown an improvement, and he's one of the reasons I think to be cheerful long term. But anyway, so yeah, Nugent scored that goal. Uh, one all at half time is not a disaster. No, sorry, it's two. We're two one down at half time. In the second half, I mean, the you know the third goal that that saw the game off for Burton was a another calamity of errors. Really, it was Lawrence, although we just picked him up there, who uh, who missed his defensive header from across. Bit of pinball in the box. Then it sort of came to the striker. He got a shot away. Really good save by yeah. Carson, which will be forgotten about. But then again, Chris Baird, he's just looking up. I don't know, appealing for offside or something. He just doesn't pay attention. Doesn't track the runner, and he's got a tap in from a rebound. Surely. You know how strikers are told to follow in a shot to score. Yeah. Surely defenders are also told to follow in shots to clear it. And you think of Baird, if someone of his experience would have the know-how and just do it as a reaction, but he, he was nowhere fucking near it, and it's infuriating. And, and you know what? We haven't. I haven't counted how many uh, since January, but how many? There's been quite a few goals in this run where Carson has made a good save, a good reaction save, and it, and it's just been an attacker's been the first first one to that loose ball and put it yeah. in on the rebound I can think of the Sheffield Wednesday game there's another game Reading, Reading away Reading, yeah. saved, didn't yeah. he? when Bod Varson scored yeah. and when we were having the good run and we conceded two goals and open play in 12 games or whatever it wasn't that those things weren't happening but our defenders were getting first of the ball and they were reacting and that just and I think you said Chris we lost probably every 50-50 tackle on Saturday against Burton and it's things like that it's those margins where well it's more than just that but it's a lot of a lot of these close games against poor teams which are going the wrong way for us are because we're not being first of the ball anymore we're not winning 50-50s we're not picking up on Carson Sayers and clearing it or putting it behind for a corner. The, the attacking team is getting there before us now. As a fan, what you want to see is a bit of desire and, and drive from your team. Um, I'm not seeing anyone who really wants to win the game. No one really seems to care and is going to put their head on the line and, and clear that ball at the risk of maybe injury or, or uh, perhaps hurting themselves. There isn't a desire, there isn't a, a want to, to put their body on the line for things. And I think that's what, let, what has let us down recently. There was before Christmas though, which is what makes it more baffling. But yeah... 
Curtis Davis, who seems to get wheeled out after every game now, he's just sort of become captain by default, hasn't he? Because he he does speak very well and he does uh, he does take a certain amount of responsibility. He gave some pretty damning comments afterwards. He said, um, referring to Burton, he said they're pretty much down, but they look like they were fighting for something. Coming off the back of a 5-0 result, Burton obviously losing 5-0 at, Hull, 5-0 at home to Hull a few days ago. We look like the ones who just lost 5-0, not them. We lost pretty much every second ball all over the pitch. What do you make of that? What do you make of those comments, Coach? I mean, they also echo what Gary Rowett said. The Gary Rowett said that we had a kind of we played it abhorrently. I think was the word he used. I mean, it, it seems fair. It seems fair enough. But how many times has Curtis Davis or Gary Rowett had to come up, come out and say that in the last couple of weeks for it to make it? Yeah, you know, it, it's meaningless if they don't put the effort in this week at training and then put the effort next week against Millsborough. Curtis Davis is saying a lot of good things, and I like what he's saying. Um, I like what Rowett is coming out and saying. He's had a go at the players because they deserve to have. Uh, be publicly criticised for it are they listening are they going to do anything about mm. it and I really cannot see a change in the attitude happening overnight and um, that confidence is gone that desire to put bodies on the line isn't there and I don't think people are taking what Curtis Davis is, is saying and, and really listening to it or doing anything players about like, it players like Chris Baird in the last year of his contracts I think Joe Ledley on loan others like that do you think they care enough I don't know I think they, may, I think they might do I think it's more of a a, a squad culture problem possibly and, and if if I'm Gary Rowett and I'm having to say these kind of things in interviews and my captain my new captain is also saying it and there's not a reaction I would be worried and I think we should be worried but why isn't Rowett getting a reaction from these players during this this run of form because even the games we won we didn't play great we, we kept it solid and we, and we won the thing is is that Rowett does seem for whatever you do say about his failings during this run it's clear that he he, def- he de- definitely does care himself oh absolutely and he said in his post-match um, he was asked you know what you put it down to and his response was it's not hard to put your finger on it if I put my finger on it I'll put my finger through the wall such as my anger at the moment so it's, he's clearly as infuriated as the rest of us but at the end of the day it's up to him to uh, to turn it around isn't he he also said he told the players after the Burton game um, they don't look hungry enough to seize the opportunity it's up to them to prove him wrong and to prove all of us wrong. Yeah, do they want to be in the playoffs? Does, does that squad actually want to have an extra three games this season? Because from the from the Sunderland game and from the Burton game and from the Wolves game, yeah, doesn't look like it. I mean, it's funny. Someone tweeted me after the uh, after the Wolves game where I suggested that losing 2-0 to the clearly best team in the league isn't the worst result ever as long as we beat Burton convincingly which we haven't so we, could, we were convincingly beaten so that, so that tweet's age well yeah. <laughs> um, he, someone said to me um, you know how can you defend that performance we're, we're scared of promotion I mean that's probably maybe not the, not the right way to phrase it but psychologically you know we spoke to a psychologist uh, quite recently and he identified that sort of a problem um, is, is it as simple as that Kutch do you think? I don't think they're scared of promotion. I think they all want to get promoted. I think possibly uh, they're scared of the of the, of that running. I think I mean we, we we can debate maybe at the end of the season what is the real reason behind this February and March slump, and maybe we'll never know. But they definitely can't deal with the pressure. That squad's proven that for four yeah. years in a row. This year in 2018, 20 points from a possible 51, which is um, bottom half form at best yeah. what I was going to ask you Tom is what would you say is the biggest factor in this bad run clearly there is a combination of things I think Winnell getting injured this season yeah. was a massive massive blow to us and I know we slagged him off at the start of the season but Johnny Russell offered something and I think the fact that we've had to play Vyman every minute of every game mm. hasn't really helped because he's not consistent enough to uh, you know to, to, to win games and create chances often enough in games 
the single biggest problem we had was our January transfer window. Now, I'm not going to go back and go, oh, I wish we had Chris Martin because wasn't he great in 2013 and 14? We got rid of him. I'm not unhappy to see him go out on loan. However, unfortunately, then Winnell got injured. We let Russell go early uh, from his contract, perhaps to get the money, I'm not sure. And we didn't really replace any of those three players with anyone of any quality. Cameron Jerome has come in and looked a bit like a cart horse who can run a little bit faster than a cart horse. And it's he just hasn't got a first touch. He doesn't hold the ball up. He can't win the ball in the air. Um, he runs around a bit and puts some pressure on, but it's sort of a bit of half-hearted. Um, our January transfer window cried out for us to replace left-back uh, and to get some sort of creative winger in uh, to replace a Russell and a Vyman. We weakened the wing place by letting Russell go. We didn't get a winger in. We didn't replace a left-back. We've had problems at left-back, which have been exemplified by Foz's performance in particular at Sunderland uh, and now Baird at, um, against against Burton. The January transfer window and the failings there, for me, are the single biggest factor. I think I think that's fair enough. And I think what we've seen and what we've mentioned a few times on the podcast um, since January is Rowett being less reactive in games and making changes much later on. Maybe that's a result of the poor transfer window because he's got less, he's got yeah. fewer options. You know, when he had Winnell and Martin on the bench, then he could change it quite, you know, quite yeah. quickly. When he had Russell or Vyman on the bench, he could move one of yeah. those on. So I just think he's got a lack of options, which is probably partly his fault, partly the club's, uh, the wider club's fault because of a bad transfer window. Um, he hasn't used Casey Palmer at all, and I feel like oh, the Casey Palmer experience is what would have happened to Will Hughes this season if he had stayed. I think it's, it's, it's interesting with Palmer because we were uh, all the fans in the away end yesterday at Burton were were clamouring for him to come on basically from when we were 2-1 down from about an hour an hour or so on and he did come on soon after that but as a like for like for Ledley yeah. so Casey Palmer was basically playing as a withdrawn defensive midfielder that's not his game at all I, I mean he's, 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 he's square pegs and round holes He was Casey Palmer was there picking up the ball 10 yards inside his own half trying to ping balls over the top mm. when clearly his best position is between the lines about 40 yards from goal driving forward beating players Shooting and playing players in. I mean, yeah. that's that that is on Rowett, surely. I don't mind him coming on. I don't mind him coming on in that position or for Ledley, but he's just got to be given license to to go further forward because I don't think you don't you don't bring him on for Vidra, do you? Or you don't you don't want to put, bring him on for one of the wingers and get get him stuck out wide. I think you bring him on as a centre midfielder. Um, I think he came on against Sunderland and made a, a difference before the late goals went in. If I'm Casey Palmer, I'm going, what on earth do I have to do at training to get in that first team? Because the quality of some of the play is ridiculous. It's so poor from some of the players that are actually getting minutes on the pitch. Palmer comes on and he lights the game up. He's got such a great touch. He's got a real uh, eye for a pass. Why isn't he starting? Yeah. Why isn't he coming on earlier if he's on the bench? The game against uh, Preston... After Sunderland, that was, what, five, six changes, I think? And we're clearly going to see a similar selection policy from Rowett against Middlesbrough, I'd imagine, yeah. in a massive game. But we'll come to the bigger playoff picture in the uh, in the second half. We'll leave it there for now, though we could probably moan about this all night, to be honest. So in the second half, as I said, we will talk about the general playoff race. Millwall up there now, amazingly. Um, Middlesbrough, Preston, Bristol City, Sheffield United, all clamouring for fifth and sixth with Villa, Cardiff and Fulham having sewn up their places in the top six and Wolves having got promoted. Congratulations to them. Uh, we'll read out your tweets. We put out where now for Derby basically? Where do they go from here? Can they still reach the playoffs? And what happens to Gary Rower and the playing staff? So we'll come to that as well. And we'll also have the conclusion to Who Ram I? So stay tuned and we'll see you shortly. Now again, there's Villa. A 
Hi, I'm Paul Pesky Solido, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or hit follow on SoundCloud. Welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast, where we're trying to dissect the wider championship playoff picture with three games to go for everyone now, except Derby, of course, who have that game in hand against everyone's second team, Cardiff, oh, Cardiff that, City. That gimme three points against Cardiff. Yeah, yeah, can't wait for that. I might as well just chalk it up now. So, looking at the table, I mean, I've it's remarkably close. Basically, everyone from for the last two playoff places we're talking because um, Fulham, Cardiff, and Villa have got um, got second, third, and fourth sewn up, being ten points ahead of fifth. But then everyone from fifth to eleventh is all still in the hunt. There's only four points separating Middlesbrough in fifth from Bristol City in eleventh. So you got Middlesbrough fifth, sixty-nine from forty-three, Millwall sixth, sixty-nine from forty-three. Derby 7th, 68 from 42, then Preston 66 from 43, uh, Sheffield United in 9th, 66 from 43, Brentford 65 from 43, and Bristol City 65 from 43. So Tom, you've had a little look at the remaining fixtures. It's, it's, all, it's, it's, it's all very well how bad Derby's result against Burton was, but the facts are they are still just about in contention and it's it is still just about in Derby's hands isn't yeah, it but definitely. tell us who does everyone else have and who do you think will be fifth and sixth by the end of the final day yeah so mathematically well in Derby's hands um I picked out a few fixtures I've looked at all of them uh, the other contenders have the big game is probably not this coming game week but the following one um we've got Millwall away at Borough now Boa are now in fifth. Millwall are the form team out of those teams we just mentioned. Um, and they've got a tough game against Fulham beforehand, but I think that's a massive game, uh, the penultimate game of the season. Preston are also away at Sheffield United that week, uh, which is basically a, a direct shootout for who's going to get fifth or sixth, or at least stand in a, uh, with a chance of getting that final position. And then finally, on the last game of the season, uh, uh, Sheffield United then go away to uh, Bristol City. It's a massive game at the end of massive game at the end of the season I think those are the sort of three big games that I pick out who I think going to get there I think Middlesbrough uh, they've obviously got Derby away Millwall at home and then Ipswich away I think Middlesbrough are in for the best shout they're obviously fifth themselves already um, I feel that someone's going to come through from the pack I think Millwall might struggle against Fulham who are on a, a great run themselves uh, and obviously have Borough away and Villa at home to finish so I'm actually going to go for an outside shout of Brentford who I think have got the easiest run in even though they're 11th at the moment, QPR at home, Barnsley away, and Hull at home. So my two, Middlesbrough for fifth, Brentford for sixth. Brentford would be a dark horse. That's my, that's my uh, that's my outrageous shout. Coach, what do you Excited. reckon? <laughs> well, as Tom highlighted, I think I kind of described it earlier as a kind of pl- a pre-playoff playoff because um, all those teams, all our teams, including ourselves, are playing each other in, in this little mini run-in. So I, I would actually go with the two teams already occupying the spots just because they've got more points now, really, which would be Borough and Millwall. I'm not confident we'll pick up enough points or, you know, I don't think we'll beat Cardiff to win that game in hand and then we won't pick up enough points against Borough, uh, Villa or, or Barnsley. And Barnsley may well have something to play for last game of the season. So I'll go I'll go Borough and Millwall just because they're, they're in pole position and everyone's playing against each other in this running. Derby need at least a point against Borough. At least a point. We need to beat Cardiff and then... Uh, beat Barnsley I don't think the two teams that get fifth and sixth will have to win all their remaining games I think it might take just four or five points to 
to, to get those fifth and sixth spots because you're going to be taking points off the other teams around you. So mm. I, I don't think we'd need to win three games to get it. I think if we picked up yeah. four or five points, I think we probably would get sixth. Uh, but I, I don't see us getting those points at the current run of form. So we put it out to you guys. Um, you know, are the playoffs still achievable for Derby County? And if they don't make it, who stays or goes in the summer? Um, had a had a fair few responses. Uh, Adrian Wood responded to us on Twitter. He said, uh, "Time to be realistic. We've tried, but it's not worked. Now's the time to bring the youth through and settle down for a few more years of Championship football." <laughs> settle down, settle down. <laughs> Everyone, settle down. Martin Bunning came back to us on Twitter. He said, uh, "I think we'll sell Vidra." To a newly promoted team, I'd look to clear out Martin, Butterfield, Olsen, Thorne, Johnson, Anya, Forsyth, Jerome, Bent, Shackle and Blackman. That's a lot I forgot, of players. I forgot, I forgot about Shackle and Blackman. That's a lot of players, but you could make a case for all <laughs> yeah. of them going, couldn't you? No, it's, it makes total sense, which leads us to a team of Scott Carson and Curtis Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Hope Guy Rowett's still got his boots somewhere. Um, Martin Bunny also said, Math- mathematically, playoffs are achievable. But the players told us with results like the one against Burton that they're not interested. Yeah, I'd agree um, with that. Guy Pearson said to us on Twitter, uh, Rowett played this way at Burton and Birmingham. It's what he does. Why do, than- why do fans think he will suddenly change? Hashtag Rowett out. It's probably it's a controversial one. And a uh, friend of the podcast, Jonathan Rogers, said, uh, playoffs not achievable. Keep Gary Rowett. See if he can find a different way of playing. Aside from Bent and Baird, no one's out of contract and we don't have enough cash to recruit more than a couple of cheap players. We can't loan out 15 players. Vidra to Watford for four and a half million. <laughs> Shades of Will Hughes there, bloody hope not. Um, just a couple more before you guys chip in. Um, Matthew Garner said to us, um, the playoffs not now. Gary Rowett's the man to do it. Have faith in the youth. Out of contract players gone, along with about another eight or nine and first signing, go and look at Jack Marriott at Peterborough. Can't say I know much about his work. He scored a lot of goals, I think. Along with uh, a new central midfielder, if Vidra goes, get Palmer back and play him number 10. That was about it from that thread. What, you, any any comments you pick out from those contributions we've had there? Um, I think, as, as I said, I think it's achievable, uh, but the players haven't shown that they want to achieve it. I mean, as ever with the playoffs, at the moment I think we'd all agree we probably don't want to be in them um, because it might just be embarrassing. But we get absolutely slaughtered. But, but the fact is, if you if we do find ourselves in the playoffs, it's because we probably won a couple of games against good teams. So suddenly that whole tra- that changes the whole dynamic, and you might go into the playoffs in a bit of form. So I do I think it's achievable. Yes, it's achievable. Do I think it will happen? No, I don't think it will happen. Um, it's Gary Rowett. I know a few people there have said that he should put in some young players. I'm not against that idea. Obviously, it would be easy to say to him, oh, he's given up, he's chucked in some young players just to give them some experience for the end of the season. But you know what? The, the current old players aren't doing the job anyway, and a lot of them deserve to be dropped. So why not? You know, He's almost got nothing to lose at this point. So, I would chuck in Thomas, maybe. I would chuck in... Even Jamie Hansen, chuck him in. You know, you can't do. You can't. You know, Joe Leddy looked awful. Love Jamie Hansen. Joe, Joe Leddy looked awful on on Saturday. He's not done himself any favors recently. Let's see some players in there who might actually. Yeah. If they're not going to play, they might not have all the quality or the experience, but they'll probably give a hundred percent. Do you think um, Tom? Do you think Richard Keogh can feel a bit feel a bit cheesed off to still be on the bench after um, Derby having shipped five goals in the past two games? I mean, two of those were against Wolves, so I don't think Pierce had a particularly bad game. He one of those volleyed was, uh, the ball in his face. Goal but, of the millennium. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was an unbelievable strike from Neves. Um, so not necessarily from there, and I don't think I could 
definitely blame Pierce for any of those. I think Keo has deserved his spell out the side. Um, I don't think Pierce is a long-term solution. It would be interesting to see him brought... I, I would be interested to see how Keo reacts to being brought back in. And as I said a second ago, you've almost got nothing to lose. So unless there has been a bigger fallout behind the scenes, which I don't think there has been because he's still on the bench... Um, you know, let's put Keo back in. Let's make let's shake things up again. Let's see let's see if Raul can find some kind of magic form, f- formula for the last couple of games of the season. Put him what, back in there. Bring a couple of the young players in. What you do miss is that uh, Pierce's distribution is mediocre at best. I mean, yeah. when the ball comes near him, he does look to just get it up and under, hoof it most of the time. Where Keo, as we know this season, likes to bring it out. Um, as Sean Morrison said in that video, um, likes to uh, try and bring it forward. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, that's what basically cost him his place in the side because he I tried to play a simple ball and gave it to straight to a Sunderland player. Is, is, but he offers more on the floor than Pierce, doesn't he? I see what your point is, but he's cost us a few goals recently. And yes, it is nice to play uh, the ball out from the back and it, it looks very pretty. But look at how many goals we've conceded by trying to pass that ball around at the back. At the moment, I think we need to go very much back to basics. Um, keep it solid, keep it tight, hit the channels, turn defences. But he's tried that and it hasn't worked for the last two months. Rowett's run out of ideas on that. And I'm, and I'm not anti Rowett at all, but he seems to have run out of ideas on that front. And if we're not keeping clean sheets anymore, then we need to do something more to create going forward. And Keogh is a more positive player in that regard. Two, um, only two goals between them this calendar year from Cameron Jerome and David Nugent. Are we too reliant on, on Vidra at the moment? And have we been this season? Oh, obviously we are. Um, and again, it goes back to the same question on um, on, on Rowett's kind of tactical acumen at this present time, which he seems to have just... I don't know, I, I can't see what we're trying to achieve in the football we're playing, apart from the hope that Vidra scores a worldie or, or whatever. Last couple of games, I know when I was, um, when I was away, I couldn't watch the, the Wolves game and the games before it. You mentioned that... Um, have opponents worked Vidra out now, do you think? You said it was getting kicked off the park against Wolves. I, th- I thought every time we looked to get the ball forward against Wolves, um, they got the ball to Vidra and there were two or three players around him and he just got kicked. They didn't care whether they conceded the foul because they knew the quality of delivery or they knew they could deal with us, with us at set pieces. So, um, yeah, quite possibly the better teams in the Championship are going. Right, Derby's aim is to get it to Lawrence and get it onto his right foot or, or to get it to Vidra. If we can shut down Vidra and keep, Vid- uh, keep Lawrence on his left foot, Derby and why fight. wouldn't you if you know that Derby's only play going forward is to hope Vidra does something you just get Vidra out of the game and you haven't yeah. got anything to worry about Ledley and Huddleston aren't going to surge forward past the striker and, and, and create something are they our wingers aren't creating anything particularly No, I think that's why um, Rowett has tried to put Palmer in that deeper position yeah. because he will break through the lines but you, you made the point that he's picking the ball up against Burton 10 yards inside his half it's too far for him to to run 20-30 metres every single time it's- well he, spoke, he said after Forrest that he thinks Casey Palmer's a bit too unpredictable and doesn't is not quite disciplined enough but I think we're beyond the point of having to worry about that now it's time to, it's it's needs, twist it's needs yeah. must isn't it yeah. yeah well speaking of uh, social media and your contributions you can find us on uh, other forms of social media we're on Facebook of course and Instagram did a lovely little Instagram story from my from the horror trip to Burton at the weekend. Nice we're, filters. Thanks. <laughs> um, we're on uh, Twitter as well at Steve Bloomer Pod, and you can email us Steve Bloomer's Washing at gmail.com. I mean that covers most of it for the time being. John, do who am I? You've got some ideas, haven't you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we're going to go back to I got a sticker book. He he would have been in my first ever sticker book. Or, gonna... she, or she, or she. <laughs> <laughs> Equal opportunities. <laughs> 
we're gonna, we're gonna go back to the game where Richard and Tom have to guess the identity of a Derby County player from years gone by. So the first clue I gave you at the start of the podcast was this. Chip in as soon as you think you know the answer. I played 140 times for Derby County between 1992 and 1995. Tops. <laughs> 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 go on, Cutch. Um, well, I'm behind. So go yeah, on, I'll, I'll give it you. Yeah, go on. <laughs> you bastard teasing that one out slowly. Matt Carbon. Oh, no, because he he scored in the game between uh, Derby and Palace in '96. He didn't that, say that, show your workings. Just said that's no, that's a wrong answer. I'm telling you now. No, he celebrated <laughs> with Robin van der Laan. Oh, yeah, oh he did. Really he's in that good. picture. It was on yeah. the front of that famous program. Yeah. Spoiler um, alert: it's so also you, not Robin van der Laan. That's <laughs> annoying because I had someone else in my head, and I last minute decided to go. Tom, I went rogue. John Harks. John Harks is incorrect. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> Clue number two: I scored 37 goals. Cut. Marco Gaviadini. Marco Gaviadini is incorrect. Oh. That was my that was so yeah. Gaviadini was my second guess. Uh, Tom Paul Kitson. Paul Kitson. Mm. Incorrect. 92 to 95. Clue number 3. Before Derby County, I played for Luton Town. 70 games between 1989 and 1992. Well, when in 1989 but, I was 2 years old, so How many goals did you score for Derby? 32 in 37 in 140 appearances. Not bad. Uh, Catch. Paul Trollope. <laughs> no Paul Trollope is in 37 goals that's a lot of goals for a winger <laughs> incorrect Tom, uh, oh no it's, oh, I was going to say Paul Simpson it's not Paul Simpson no, um, it's too, Tommy Johnson oh, incorrect yeah. I've got two guesses as well clue yeah. number four I was born oh, it's not going to help us is it <laughs> in Merthyr Tydfil Wales Welshman well done <laughs> oh, Columbo over there no flies on you <laughs> <laughs> hmm. that, that, that narrows the field that down. That means he's Welsh. <laughs> he was in my stick. He was in that bloody sticker book. Scored a few. Was he goals. ginger? Any no. more guesses before that? No, I, I need some. More, need some more clues. Clue number five. I'm ginger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can see him. I haven't got a clue. Everyone's screaming at the podcast. Everyone's screaming the answer. We're can, quite young, um, but we're all quite young. Yeah. But so he was in the sticker. Book. My first game was in 1992. May, May of 92 so you should know right up your street yeah clue number six I went from Derby County to Sheffield Wednesday in 1995 so he left before the promotion season or during the promotion season before before yeah where I played 108 games for the Owls scoring 13 goals oh catch and I'm a Welsh Mark Pembridge oh yes well done Mark Pembridge yes. is the right answer oh yes, yes. oh lovely yes <laughs> As soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, you've got... He scored 37 goals. That's yeah, way more great, than I thought, wasn't great it? left foot. The Sheffield Wednesday's giveaway. I, I know him more as a Sheffield Wednesday player than a Derby player. Did he play for Everton? I think he went to Everton no, later on in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. He did go to Everton, and also yeah. Benfica. Huh. There you go. Great, there you go. Great round, am I? So well, that was... That's 9-6 for the, for the season. Coach, uh, coach making it respectable. Bamboo. Yeah. Um, so before we leave for this episode, we wanted to try and end on something resembling uh, an upbeat fashion. So I don't know what you're both going to say for this, but I basically asked you beforehand to give me some reasons to be cheerful, whether it's about Derby, football, life. Tom, I think this, Tom's got a few more than this, I have. this afternoon. I've got um, five. How many am I allowed to say? You can have. You, you can have three. Three. Keep okay. it brief. Right. You first, Tom. Cameron Jerome has only got 14 months left on his contract. (laughs) 
Jacob Butterfield is set to return to the club. <laughs> and I, what, to, I don't know. Butterfield's a, well, that's a reason to be cheered. I am so excited. <laughs> Tom's saying that while he slips his wrist. <laughs> Finally, and the most exciting one. Uh, I recently went to Derby to visit my grandma. Bless her. Uh, and I bought some socks from the Derby Club Shop for four pound eighty, and they're excellent. I wore them on Saturday when I played football. Four pound eighty per sock. Per pair of socks. Per pair. Lovely black socks with a nice pink trim. On Tim. a similar on a similar note, you can now get a Derby County home shirt for just nineteen pound twenty. <laughs> but if you want to put Craig Forsyth on the back, it's going to take you back another seven or eight pounds. <laughs> That's literally a waste of letters. Isn't it? <laughs> but if what get, I would say how is, how much hedge... is it for Butterfield? I haven't worked it out. Too much, whatever it is. I haven't done the math. I think they're giving them away though. <laughs> Kurt, anything, uh, any reasons to be cheerful? No, that you? was the only one, nineteen pounds, <laughs> and that is after I paid full whack for one at the start of the season. So actually, it should be a reason for me to be despairing. Chris, anything you want to be cheerful about at the moment? Uh, congratulations, Chris. <laughs> we had a good time, didn't we, Kutch? Thanks very much. The reason we haven't been with you for a few months is uh, Chris Parsons got married. It's only been a few weeks. Yeah. Congratulations to you on being the most drunk person at the wedding. <laughs> by a million miles. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and you, and obviously Chris, Chris was in Mexico watching some Mexican football. How did that compare? Me, Lager, Tom Lager, <laughs> Kutch, everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes lager. <laughs> I was in Mexico, yeah. Uh, I watched um, Club America versus Cruisers All in, at the Azteca, which well was known, great. Well-known derby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was fun. Then went to the Pirelli, which uh, brought me crushingly back down to earth. So that's what, that's it. That's all I've got time for for this episode. Thanks for bearing with us. It's, uh, it's a bit of a tough period at the moment, but uh, you never know. The marriage or the... Or the podcast. Not going to specify. <laughs> we're, we're here for you, Chris, if you need to talk. Appreciate that. That's very kind. Yeah, the, the reality is, it's uh, you know, it's a big life event for me, yeah. and I was just, I was just delighted to get her in the building. <laughs> As I keep saying, I think you made a great choice. Cheers. Thank you. Like I say, it's uh, it's a tremendous day for all concerned. So yeah, thanks for listening, Richard. Thanks for coming along. Thank you. Nine six. Well done, Tom. Thanks for coming along. Pleasure as ever. And we'll see you again in when's our next one? Between Cardiff and Villa, isn't it? That's what we're going to go for. Okay, yeah, fine. Let's do it. We'll see you then. Thanks for your time.